Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Snow Nation. Tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about our uh, our president and just uh, where he stands, uh, so to speak. Uh, just his first few months in the position as our commander in chief, uh, leading the charge, <laughs> carrying us over. Um, but uh, but before I go into all that, first a quick message from our sponsor. Welcome back. So it's been nearly six months, six months with uh, President Joseph Biden. And I just I felt it was important to, you know, take a pause and just reflect on his uh, his first six months. Um, just uh, what what's happened thus far? Just some some of the highlights. And, uh, you know, I, what inspired this was um, I was just sifting through um, all the great things you can find on the Internet. And I just ran across an article from uh, PolitiFact talking about some of the highlights, some of the ups of the uh, Biden presidency, of the Biden administration. And according to PolitiFact, the three biggest developments... Right. So number one, uh, wide scale coronavirus vaccination program Two, passage of the one point nine trillion dollar coronavirus and economic relief bill. And three, <laughs> the rejoining of the Paris Climate Accord. So those three. And they focus on the first 100 days. And, you know, I mean, it's the first 100 days, so it's it, it's the typical shtick when it comes to politicians. You know, they, they try to uh, score a couple of easy victories, can say, hey, look, look at me. I, I honored, you know, uh, a few of my campaign promises, which, yeah, most of them, they, they don't even make it halfway through that list as far as honoring all, all those those promises and and meeting those goals know based on a lot of those statements that they've made during the campaign because we uh, at least the Americans that are paying attention the citizens that have both eyes open can see that it's it's the same old routine you know uh, promise us the world you know get our vote get our get our donations um, and then once they get in they just you know serve whoever their masters are be it coca-cola um, uh, Verizon wireless <laughs> You know, uh, Amazon, whoever, whoever their their donors are, the donors and owners, and it's been this this cycle that we've been stuck in for a long time. But anyway, so the the first item, this wide scale coronavirus vaccination program, it's this is something that was already moving with that whole Operation Warp Speed and everything that was happening in twenty twenty. So. You know the the vaccines were were already set before before you even step foot into the Oval Office. Not even going to go into how I feel about vaccines, or in this case, um, I guess technically, I don't think we can really call this a vaccine since it still isn't FDA approved. None of them are, but that's a whole other story. So, wide scale coronavirus vaccination program. 
some of the things I find kind of interesting about this, or the, the, one of the big things, is the 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 funding. And so much, and and as I stated before, you know, the federal government doesn't have any funding; it's it's taxpayer funding. I mean that that that's where the funding comes from. So when I see a headline, one point five billion dollars in ad funding to help combat uh, vaccination hesitation, then, you know, I begin to wonder, you know, something that's, you know, inc incredibly deadly and, you know, we, we are in this together and pretty much all the other slogans and things that were pushed on us in 2020. And you have to add all these incentives. You know, we've got people offering you, uh, Offering you, you know, donuts if you if you get vaccinated, you get free car washes. Um, there was uh, an ad I saw where you can get free lap dances at your local um, uh, stri strip uh, strip club, strip establishment, whatever whatever they're called. But all that, and and now you have that 1.5 billion dollars that was set aside to cover a, a marketing campaign to get more people to take the jab. You know, is that is that really is that really an accomplishment? You're you're pimping out <laughs> big pharma shots, you know. But okay, sure. If that's how they want to play it, then ah, what the hey. The second part here, number two, passage of the 1.9 trillion dollar coronavirus and economic relief bill. You know, the way they keep cranking these things out we're really becoming desensitized to a lot of these numbers. You know, we, we saw it last year where you'll have $2.2 trillion, you know, CARES Act, $1.9 trillion this, the $900 billion relief package or stimulus package 3.5 or or 2.5 or, or whatever. And then you have this $1.9 trillion coronavirus and uh, economic relief bill and there's even this infrastructure bill. It's still, they're still scrambling to, to figure that whole thing out. And that's $3.5 trillion. <laughs> $3.5 trillion. And they throw these numbers out there like it's no big deal. You watch people in Congress go back and forth. They talk about these things and they, as if it's like a, um, I don't know, like they're, they're, they're purchasing like a, a new car, you know, they're going to lease a new car, <laughs> it's just a simple contract, you know, instead we're talking about something that involves the, the livelihoods of our great grandchildren at this point, but they just, they just, they just pass this around like it's, you know, no big deal. And the way this funding is, is spread out. With limited accountability, uh, limited oversight, very little transparency to us taxpayers. I mean, it's it's our money, right? You know, and and then they sneak a lot of things in a lot of these bills, which we saw last year, where you'll see, you know, uh, you know, twenty million dollars slipped in to cover new furniture, you know, for the for the Capitol building or. Um, additional $30 million to cover uh, some additional staffing for Congress, for congressional members, you know, and 
it's just, you know, who, who approved that? You know, who, I don't recall voting on that, <laughs> but I, yeah, sure. I get it. There, there are representatives. We elected them so they get to make a lot of the decisions. Um, even though I think, um, once a determination can be made that they've been compromised in some way, shape or form, um, then the, the people can take action as far as immediately voting them out. But the process is made to be so complex and convoluted that we just feel like we have to wait two years or four years or whatever until their term ends. Um, but it's um, it, it's it's incredibly wild. But that that's listed is uh, according to PolitiFact is a notch in in Biden's belt. <laughs> so the the third thing this uh, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord is. It's an absolute joke. I mean, that that whole thing, that that whole agreement, the Paris Climate Agreement is something that it can't be enforced, you know, and they've shown us that it can't be properly managed. I mean, you have different sets of rules for different countries. You know, they can go on and on and people can slam this country, can slam the United States for, you know, um, for our emissions but then at the same time can tap dance when it comes to China, you know, to the point where we, we can't, we can't really focus on that. We can't really point that out, but we can have the, the, the Greta Thornburgs and different people screaming about how, you know, wrong we are for driving our SUVs, you know, as these same people will fly in private jets and things like that to, to go to these G7 summits and all that, all that kind of stuff. And well, those, those jets aren't all electric <laughs> last time I checked, but it's just more of that, uh, hypocrisy. And it's like some unspoken agreement where we all just, we're, we're okay with this collectively. I mean, not all of us just individual, but collectively we're, we're just fine with this type of arrangement where people can, can spew out lies or, or politicians can just be just huge hypocrites and it can be incredibly obvious what their agenda is and who their owners are. And we just kind of, we just kind of roll with it, but sure. Okay. So he went ahead, signed a paper and gave a thumbs up to put us back into this pointless, um, this pointless climate accord or climate agreement, you know, we'll, Good, good job. <laughs> but I do find funny that you, you had um, so many people and he was campaigning that believed that, you know, uh, it pretty much the a lot of never Trumpers. You know, we had the mainstream media blast just going strong for, you know, four years of just how terrible, you know, Trump is. And, you know, he's a racist, he's a sexist. He's a warmonger. And then there was, you know, the scare that he was, there was going to be a war with North Korea. And the next thing you know, he's shaking hands <laughs> with the guy. And then they shift gears to the next big thing to get everyone all riled up and scared. And, you know, uh, you know well, Trump is going to cause this problem and that problem and all that stuff. And then when it doesn't quite pan out that way, they, they, they move on. But there's so many things that I'm starting to notice with the Biden administration that I like I'm seeing these subtle similarities. I'm seeing things that, you know, people were concerned 
um, when they were on the campaign trail that, you know, if Biden was elected, you know, even though I, I a lot of times I think some of the it's more of a presidential selection than the presidential election. But I'll save that for another time. Uh, but there were people that were afraid that, OK, well, if Biden gets in, you know, there's going to be all these drastic changes, you know, uh, all hell's going to break loose, you know, and it, 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 everything's going to fall apart. You know, but when I look at just some of the things that he's pushed, some of the things that he squeezed into, like his uh, American Rescue Plan, for example, you know, and all these different things where he went back on most of his campaign promises, um, even though it, it, it was hard to even nail down exactly what he believed in, um, what he cared about the most, where his priorities lied, because it was this constant back and forth, back and forth. Um, where, you know, you'll find some recording from, you know, fall of 2019 where he committed to one thing or he was, you know, for fracking or against fracking. And then six months later, well, now he's speaking in a different state in front of a different crowd or it's a different debate with a different audience and a different moderator. So now he is this way or that way. I mean, it was, you know, most of these politicians, they flip and they flop. But I mean, what we saw in the 2020 presidential race was astounding. Um, even with uh, some of the candidates that were far down the line, it didn't stand a chance. Like, I don't know, Kamala Harris, <clears throat> you know, but would flip and flop all day long. And it, it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, even though I, I've, I've I'm, I'm 39 years old, I've seen several uh, presidential races. Um, but this one definitely was, was something special. And by special, I mean incredibly awful and dangerous. <laughs> but anyway, one thing that stood out with this American Rescue Plan, you know, $350 billion for police departments just across the country. And there were so many people, you know, that gave Biden and Harris their vote simply because of this whole the defund the police movement it you know it, it's pretty much dead and gone now but it was it was hitting its stride in 2020 and there were so many people that they were hanging their vote on that on that one issue that one topic you know who's going to be pro police who's going to defund the police who's going to rein in you know the militariz militarization of the police all that good stuff. So some people voted for Biden, even though forgetting about the, you know, the crime bill in the mid nineties and a lot of the actions that, that he voted on and support he provided to uh, the Clinton administration um, that involved the militarization of <laughs> the police. But Hey, that's just, that's the past. And, you know, we don't care about things like that. You know, so just facts, we also don't care about those anymore, but $350 billion. And we're, we've seen this in a uh, majority of the cities and states where you had these mayors and you had uh, these governors that did their grandstanding and, and showed their support and, you know, and took a knee in solidarity, blah, 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 you know. But then when the rubber meets the road and once the, you know, the game's over, 
they got what they wanted, then they go right back to the status quo. They go right back to business as usual, which is why you have funding just exploding. Now, I feel like I also have to throw this in there. This is a disclaimer that, you know, I support good, effective law enforcement. That's what I support. I support a fair and balanced system that looks out for its citizens because the the police fall within that tier. They fall within that tier of um, apparatuses that the government is supposed to use to look out for the individual rights of its citizens. You know, I talked about this in the, the role of government a podcast I did a couple months ago, and I, I mentioned it a few times, but I feel like, you know, I can't state this enough, you know, that the role of government protect the individual rights of its citizens. How does it do that? Protect from foreign invaders through the military, uh, protection from domestic criminals through the police. And then there's the judicial system to help settle disputes between citizens domestically. Pretty, pretty simple stuff. So yes, I, I do support good, fair, balanced, effective law enforcement. But for those that threw their vote out there for Biden simply because, oh, I, you know, I think he's going to reign in the police. And even though in his 47 year career, he's never shown any signs of doing that. <laughs> I just I just laugh. I just think it's funny. So y- you have that. Now, there was the border wall. There was a the thought that, you know, well, that. That racist, you know, President Trump is trying to attack brown people. And, you know, that's that's his thing, because CNN told me he told me that was his thing. And, you know, and and if Biden gets in, you know, he's going to tear the whole wall down. And, you know, all the illegals are going to come in and steal of our jobs, you know, and and just destroy everything. Because um, Fox News told me. You know, you have it going both ways. And and I have issues with all those networks. Pretty much all mainstream media is trash. And you have to do your own research um, if you really want to make informed decisions. If you really want to make calculated decisions, intelligent decisions, then you have to do your own research. But you had that scare over the border wall. And then, well, there was the, uh, there was a slight pause, slight on the funding where the funding was to be diverted and that was 2.2 billion dollars well guess what (laughs) that 2.2 billion dollars sat and was unobligated and then it was diverted right back to the wall (laughs) so people were scared about that If, if biden wins that's it that's it for our border and i'm seeing just a lot of the same a lot of the same so there you go the border wall, I mean, it has all the funding it'll need. I'm sure there'll be more that'll come down. So you have that. Then you had the whole uh, the ki- kids in cages thing. I don't know if you guys remember that, where we had AOC and all, you know, with her grandstanding, pretend like she's crying, and you know, I, 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 it just breaks my heart to see those kids and you know behind those fences and everything, even though. A lot of the pictures that surfaced were actually from uh, the Obama administration, which, you know, Biden happened to be in the White House as the vice president at that time. Um, But bringing it to present day. More and more stories are coming out. 
more and more information is becoming available. That's the beauty of, of technology, this technological age that we live in, where we can just access information at our fingertips. It's really not that hard. Um, but as it stands now, uh, there was a great article, I won't say great, but it was a solid article written by the Associated Press, where they, they discussed um, this <laughs> this widespread epidemic. You know, I'm, well, I won't call it an epidemic, but just tens of thousands of asylum-seeking children just being held at different detention centers, the, just these facilities. 200 of them spread out across two dozen states with no real solid plan on fixing this problem. Now you go back a year, a year and a half, then it was just, you know, well, Trump isn't doing his best to fix this problem. Mike Pence isn't doing his best to fix this problem. Why? Because they're racist. You know, that, that, that seems, that seems to be the word that was thrown out quite a bit from, uh, from late 2016 all the way up through um, late 2020. Racist this, racist that, yada, yada, yada. So then the other side, they get their, then their guys in. It's like a football game. You know, the, the, once the other side wins, everyone's cheering and, and all that good stuff. And the other side just grumbles. You know, then the tables are turned. Now the other guys, you know, their guy wins, their team wins. So then everyone's celebrating and then they hate the other side. It's the, it's the same old, it's the same old shtick. But here, the, literally, the it's the same thing. Like our, our our immigration policies are just a jumbled mess. the The funding isn't there. the The support from from judges and and law enforcement agencies, all that stuff, it, it's not there. And it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to construct just what works, what doesn't, and find the holes and come up with a solid course of action to move forward. It's not hard. But when you throw politics in there and all the grandstanding and and all the placating and everyone's got their sides, you know, their favorite teams, favorite corporations, all that kind of stuff that they have to think about. And it slows the process down. It's like it's like the country is trying to run through mud and we're just slowly moving. And of course, the mud, it's it's starting to um, starting to turn into quicksand, you know, so so you have that. And of course, it's no longer the scandal of kids in cages. Now it's uh, kids in, you know, educational detention facilities, you know, or they'll, they'll try to church up and, you know, make the name sound all extra classy and everything. And then the media, they'll put their spin on it and then we just accept it. You know, so there's that. Then there were all these promises on delaying uh, oil and gas drilling. And there were fears of that, like, oh, you know, well, he's going to start shutting down like everything and he's going to hold up all types of contracts, all that kind of stuff. You know, well, guess what? <laughs> Currently, at the pace we're at, with all these contract, uh, all these contracts being approved for oil and gas drilling in this country, we are on track to reach our highest level since George W. Bush was president. Now, and this completely goes against um, Biden's campaign promise. 
all that talk about, you know, climate change, yada, yada, yada. And I have my feelings about climate change, believe me. But all that tough talk was just a bunch of hot air. But people bought it. Enough people bought it. I'm not going to say enough to to garner 82 million votes, but um, enough where people, enough people would believe that he got 82 million votes. (laughs) And here we are. And we still got a ways to go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I know there's all these um, uh, state-to-state investigations and, and recounts and, you know, all these different pending lawsuits and things hanging out there as far as election fraud. When everyone knows there was massive election fraud, there's always election fraud in every election, which is incredibly sad. The question is just, you know, how deep does it go? How bad was it? And will anyone be held accountable? I'm going to say no, because, you know, my observation, when these things, when these types of things come up and you're, you're in too deep, you're too invested in it and bringing out the truth could cause a widespread disruption Um, It could completely deflate everyone's confidence um, in the institution or in a structure or organization. Well, people tend to just sweep it under the rug or find ways to move on or just wait out the clock. And I think what's happening here is one of those wait out the clock moments where we just, you know, people just try to hold back the evidence. The mainstream media does their part to just keep us all distracted with everything else. And there's plenty of options out there of distractions. And then enough time will pass. And, uh, you know, once Biden's in for a year, two years, and, you know, it's too late at that point. And I think that's what's happening here. But I'll do it. I'll do another, uh, I'll do a different podcast. And um, I've talked about it a little bit about the 2020 presidential selection. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more. But uh, it's it's fascinating. I mean, all this stuff that's going on. And we all, we, we just, we do our duty. Um, well, a portion of us, we, you know, we pay our taxes. You know, we vote. We, we try to be informed as best we can, even though the, there are forces out there with mainstream media and social media, everything that's working against us and to keep us um, just completely misinformed or underinformed. Um, but but we continue to press on. And a thing with the, the taxes, it's something else that I threw out there, um, just the question of why. You know, and I know the, I know the blanket statement that, well, you, you, that's the price you pay to live in a civilized society. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, 56 years ago, I get it. But now... I mean, we've been rocking and rolling in this this fiat currency for a long time. We cut the strings with the gold standard back in 1971. That was meant to be temporary, but it's something that continued on to this day. You know, here we are. What? How how many years later? Let's see. Let's 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 do some math here. So, let's see. Uh, 29, 39, 49, 40, um, 50 years, and we're still rocking and rolling. <laughs> and basically. The, the currency is backed by absolutely nothing except for faith in the institution, faith in the government. That's it. 
So we have that. Then we have the Federal Reserve, which is not federal, nor does it have reserves. You know, just printing off money like crazy. Just printing it off like crazy. Printed off just trillions, well over $6 trillion. And just pump that into the financial sector. Pump that into the economy to keep it propped up. And I see all this. I, you know, I see the headlines. You know, I, I listen to uh, some of the other podcasts and uh, some interviews with different board members and just random people. You know, and no one asked the question of, well, why do we pay taxes? If the money is backed by nothing, gold, silver, nothing. And it's just based off of faith. And then a private bank cartel, the Fed can just print off as much as it wants to bail out certain groups while leaving others just high and dry. Then why do I pay taxes? If you can just print it off, then the government doesn't need my portions of my income as revenue. You know, well, we needed to pay for roads and this and that. Well, yeah, okay, fine. Even though somehow we had roads before, um, before we had the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, before um, the income tax actually, well, officially kicked off. I'm not talking about uh, when it was temporarily installed um, during the Civil War to kind of offset the uh, the uh, the massive debt of the of the Union. I think it was like half a billion dollars at the time, so they temporarily instituted. A, uh, an income tax to help bring in additional revenue along with the uh, increase in tariff uh, tariff taxes and that sort of thing you know but that's um, that, that's a whole another thing but I, I, it's just well just why today when it's not based off of anything when it's not backed by anything and an entity that's not tied to the government can just continually just print this stuff off you know well then why? Why do I have to give up a, a piece that impacts my ability to quickly generate wealth? That's all. Just a simple question. But anyway, I think I'm getting off on a tangent. So I wanted to keep this right around 30 minutes. I'm getting pretty close. Um, yeah, I'm going to pass it. But hey, whatever. Those are just a few of my thoughts on uh, on President Biden. And I've got no personal feelings. Uh, towards him, just like I had no personal feelings towards Trump. Um, I just supported, fully supported Trump's reelection um, at the time, and um, I don't regret doing that. And I obviously, if I'm supporting his reelection, I was against the election of uh, the current president, but he's in, and right now he's our president. It is what it is. Hopefully, the American people learn something from all this madness. Probably not. But we'll see. I'll, I'll try to be op- more optimistic. Give me, give me time. It's it's July. Give me. I just need a little more time. <laughs> twenty twenty has still got me. I, I'm 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 having flashbacks and you know twitching and everything. But anyway, those are just some of my thoughts on on the Biden administration on his presidency thus far. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk again around Christmas and <laughs> let's see where the country is at that point. So with that. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for your feedback and your donations. It all improves. Uh, it all improves the podcast. And uh, I thank you. Thank you so much. We've grown a great deal over the past uh, three and a half months. You know, I, 
at the pace we're going, we'll cross the 50, uh, 50 countries. We'll cross 50 countries, um, uh, hopefully by Thanksgiving. And uh, I believe that's possible. But none of it would be possible without your support, without your feedback. Thanks again. And uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Snell Nation out.